I'm Corey Mays, counsel for Respondent, and you're listening to a podcast that never should have been recorded. And I say that because Petitioner Billy Joe Magwood currently challenges the state's use of murdering a sheriff as an aggravating circumstance, a claim that Magwood admits he was ordered to raise in his first federal habeas petition in 1983, which would have resolved this issue conclusively in 1986. But Magwood did not raise this claim in his first habeas petition. Instead, he waited 14 years to raise it in his second petition, which arose after resentencing using the same aggravating circumstance. Our argument's simple. Petitioners get one, but only one, full and fair opportunity to litigate a habeas claim. Because Magwood admits that he failed to use his first opportunity to attack his aggravating circumstance, he cannot do so now, in a second petition filed 14 years after the first. I believe that our line of argument will spawn three primary questions from the court. First, what is a second or successive petition? Second, how does our rule work and can the courts apply it below? And third, why does this rule matter to the states? I'll answer each in turn, starting first with, what is a second or successive petition? EDPA states that a claim in a second or successive application is barred if it was previously raised or could have been raised in a prior application. The problem here is is that EDPA doesn't define the term second or successive application. And the court has said on three occasions that the term takes its full meaning from their old abuse of the red and successive petition doctrines, which barred claims that could have been or were raised in a previous petition. So, like the circuit courts, we argue that a second or successive application under EDPA is a habeas petition that raises a claim that could have been or even was raised in a prior habeas petition even when the petitioner has been resentenced in the meantime. Now that leads to the second question, how does our rule work and can the courts apply it? Simply put, our rule says that if a petitioner could have raised the same claim in his first habeas petition, he's barred from raising it in his petition after resentencing. But if the claim raises an issue that was novel to the resentencing, it's not barred. And the reason is simple. Under the abuse of the writ doctrine, a claim is only abusive if you could have raised it in a previous petition. So, if a claim is novel to resentencing, it could not have been raised previously and thus is permissible under EDPA. Now, Magwood claims that our rule is hard to apply, so the court shouldn't adopt it. But this is the same waiver rule that federal courts apply against federal prisoners on direct appeals after resentencing, a rule that stems from the law of the case doctrine and the mandate rule. So, If federal courts can differentiate between old and thus waived sentencing claims for federal prisoners, surely they can do the same for state prisoners. In fact, treating the prisoners differently would would grant less deference to state court judgments, an absurd result under EDPA whose stated primary purpose is to enhance the state's interest in finality and federalism in a capital habeas proceeding. So this leads to the final question. Why does this rule matter to the states? Well, when the states spend their time and resources in federal court in a habeas proceeding, we have an expectation that all claims will be adjudicated in that one first proceeding. And when that proceeding ends, we have an expectation that we will not return to the federal courts to litigate claims that could have been raised in that first proceeding. EDPA was designed to protect that interest. When it's applied correctly, claims that could have been or were raised in a previous petition are barred by the circuit court directly in 30 days with no appeal and no cert petitions to the Supreme Court. But if the rule is taken away, the state must rely on procedural default defenses that are litigated in the district court, then the circuit court, then the Supreme Court, 
and those proceedings can last as long as 14 years as they did in this case. And just as importantly, adopting Magwood's rule that resentencing reboots a petitioner's right to raise every claim against his new judgment could be devastating in capital cases. 14% of death penalty petitions are given some type of habeas relief. So, under Magwood's theory, 14% of capital habeas petitions can be fully litigated a second time on claims that could have been, or even were, litigated the first time around. This is precisely the result that the abuse of the writ and successive petition doctrines were designed to prevent, and it seems absurd to think that EDPA would have abrogated those historic doctrines. On a final note, Magwood argues that he is not eligible for the death penalty under Alabama law. This is a state law issue that he has lost repeatedly in the state courts. Again, the question before the court is not whether Magwood's claim has merit, but only whether we should be arguing about the claim 24 years after it should have been conclusively adjudicated in federal courts. Under EDPA, and in line with the abuse of the writ doctrine, the answer to that question should be no.